So Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for your presence here this morning, how you're working in our hearts and you're working all around us. Uh, and Lord, we know this is a season of mixed uh, emotions uh, for those uh, who have lost loved ones. And this is that first Christmas without them. Lord, we just pray that uh, you would meet them in their grief, that they would be aware of your presence that they would rest in your arms of love and comfort and Lord we thank you for the many opportunities we have to show the love of Christ in different ways Lord you've provided in so many special ways and Lord I just thank you for uh, my church family this beautiful church family who blessed so many people in so many different ways uh, during Advent, Lord, just continue to give us that spirit of joy and giving. And Lord, mostly we want to give your grace and your love and your truth to others. And so help us, help us meet people where they're at and just bless them. And uh, Lord, this morning, this morning, Lord, we ask that you would just open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word, the truth about you and your incarnation. Yes. So Lord, we're ready to receive all that you have for us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Oh, and Lord, I pray for uh, Marlene, our dear sister Marlene, Lord. She's, uh, she's struggling, Lord, the tremendous pain and the medication's not working. And it's just causing a lot of delirium and uh, Lord would you bless her bring healing to her body and uh, give Jan strength as she ministers to her mom and all of Jan's kids as they minister to her their grandma uh, Lord bless Marlene today in a special way and we pray all this in Jesus name and all God's people said amen amen amen, amen. thank you worship team all right good morning so uh, as we uh, get ready to hear from uh, our good friend, Paul Burr, who's going to be preaching today, sharing the word, uh, we're going to pass out uh, these cards. Uh, you'll need them for uh, near the second half of the message. So uh, Logan and Michael passing you out a card. And uh, while they're doing that, Paul, why don't you come on up and uh, I will pray with you and we will jump in. All right, Lord, I just thank you for my brother Paul and just the many years of uh, wisdom that he's poured into me over, over uh, mm. a, a, a lifetime of ministry. And so, uh, Lord, this morning, give all of us ears to hear, open hearts to receive what, what you're going to speak to us through Paul. And I just thank you for Paul and Carol and Alex and Danny and Peter and James and Abby and Jenny, Lord, just the great friends they are to the French family, into this church family, and uh, just bless them as they get ready to enter into a new year. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, brother. Well, it's a, a great thing to be here. I know many of you, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's been, we've known Tim and Betsy for 26 years now, and, uh, and we've, been, we've been coming to this church since... 99, and, uh, and 
it's just, a, it's just really a pleasure to come and share the word. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Philippians uh, chapter 2. We'll be getting to that in a minute. But I actually want to give you, um, want to give you probably the strangest Christmas introduction, okay? So, ah, there we go. So, you know, at Christmas, we don't normally think of uh, Loki. Um, if you're into, uh, into Marvel characters, he's actually the god of mischief. So you think, well, why would you introduce the god of mischief to Christmas? But he has one superpower. Anybody know what his superpower is? Anybody know that? He can morph himself into another person. Like, he, he did that for his father. He imitated his father, Odin, one time in one of the movies. And, and, and as a joke, he kind of, you know, incarnated himself as Captain America once, if you remember that. And um, so what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, today, I want us to become like good Lokis, okay? I want us to morph and incarnate into Jesus to live out his truth. And this is the truth I want to... This is going to be hard. Okay. All right. Tommy, you want to just... Uh, dude, this isn't going to work. Ah, thanks. I'm just going to turn this off, Tom, okay? All right. So here's the truth. If God becoming man, Jesus, was his way of reaching out to this world, we need to become Jesus to reach our world, okay? So, because God sent Jesus to reach our world, we need to become like Jesus to reach our world. So, what we're going to do, how we're going to explore this, is we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, open there. Um, I always have trouble finding Philippians because you have, the, you have the Gospels and you have Acts and you have Romans, Corinthians, and then I like popcorn, so I always think of go eat popcorn. So Galatians, uh, Ephesians, popcorn, Philippians, Colossians. So uh, Philippians chapter 2, I'm just going to read, uh, read some verses starting in verse chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, or emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And that's what we're going to focus on today. And what we're going to do is I'm going to go through that passage, the first part of the message, go through the passage. We'll go to the next slide, Tom. We're going to go through the passage, and, um, and then I'm going to take the Christmas story and kind of show it on the side. So we can see that Paul is not just... Um, writing something he doesn't know about. Uh, I want to, then the second part is really to look at some practical ways that we can become Jesus 
in our world, okay? So although I don't think Paul actually had the, the Gospel of Matthew in his hands. I, I, I doubt that. But if you, don't, you may not know, he was traveling with Luke when he went to Philippi. So here he is having night, midnight conversations with Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he was also friends with John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. So uh, Paul knew the story of Jesus' birth. Maybe he didn't call it Christmas, but he knew the story. So I want to look at these passages. So the first verse we're going to look at is Philippians uh, 2.5, and I'm just going to start with the very last um, part of Philippians 2.5, Christ Jesus. And as we turn to the Gospels, we see that Matthew one twenty one says, She, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And as we, um, all throughout the morning we've heard, Luke 2.1, the angel said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So in verse 5 of Philippians, we are commanded to have the same mind, the same attitude. In fact, the NIV says, have this attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Um, simply put, be like Jesus. And then when you look at Matthew, you see that the angel commands Joseph to name the baby Jesus, which in Hebrew means Yah, Lord saints. So the Lord saints. And then Luke, the angels kind of give us a different view, right? And they tell us this baby is Christ the Lord, meaning the anointed one. He's the king. So we have this king, this anointed one who is also will save us. Now, when we continue to, um, to verse 6 in Philippians, we see Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, and then Matthew 1, 22 and 23 continues, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we're seeing all these different names of Jesus now, aren't we? Jesus is now Emmanuel, God with us. God became man and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. And then, continuing verse 6, it says, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And the fact that he is God is shown in Luke 1, 32 to 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his, David, his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Luke makes it clear that Jesus had every right, every right to claim who he was, who he is, the Son of God. And he is now reigning over his church and the house the house of Jacob forever. However, when you go to verse 7 in Philippians, we see 
But, but he made himself nothing, or he emptied himself. Both, both translations are good. And then Luke, how did, he, how did he make himself nothing? Well, Luke 2, 6 and 7, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, Mary. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Very familiar story. But you realize that Jesus picked the lowest spot to be born, right? In a cow barn, right? You know, our nativity scenes are really nice and neat, everything's clean. But this is, this is a cow barn, right? And he's wrapped in cloth, not a fancy robe. He's laid not in a crib of velvet, right? But in a feed trough. And not a new feed trough, right? This is a used feed trough, okay? Because there's no quiet spot for Mary to give birth. I don't know, you, you women that have had children, would you like to give birth in the middle of the parking lot? No, it's not. But that's what happened. That's what Jesus came. And it was so public, right? And you can show up, even shepherds. And maybe that's another demonstration that Jesus came to common folk, not kings and queens. Yes, Jesus started as a nothing, as a nothing. And then, continuing verse 7, taking the form of a servant. And the, the end of Luke has a very interesting story when Jesus is 12. And he went down with them, his mother and father, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You know, when we think of Jesus as a servant, taking that form of servant, we often go to the night he was betrayed, right? He, he took off his garment, he wrapped around the towel, and he washed the feet of his disciples. But Luke gives us another glimpse, just another glimpse of uh, servanthood when he went home with his mom and dad. He was submissive to them. Think about this. This is the God of the universe, right? Is submissive to his earthly parents. He's fulfilling the fifth commandment to honor his mother and father by taking the form of a servant. And then continuing in, in our Philippian passage, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. So here's the incarnation, right? Look at Luke 8. Luke 2, 8 to 12. And I don't know about you, but when I hear this passage, I, I hear Linus' voice in the, in the background. And in the same region, there were some shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good, new good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, 
who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And yeah, here is the heart of the incarnation, right? Jesus becoming flesh, the eternal Son of God taking on flesh. Now, it's a mystery, really, if you think about it, and theologians have wrestled with this over all the centuries. How can the infinite take on the, the finite? How can the finite contain the infinite? But this is part of God's plan. You know, God had other options. You know he had other options, right? He, Jesus could have been a, a, like one of these spiritual beings, right, and kind of looked like a man, right? But, you know, to be the second Adam, he had to be a man so he could die on the cross. And he only could have been born like a perfect man, right? Never sinning, right? But then he would still have the curse of sin from the first Adam. Now, Jesus needed to be the perfect mediator between God and us, right? He needed to be the God-man. Two natures in one person. Only God has the power to forgive, sin, and save. And only God can be God's final word to man. But only man can die. That's Jesus. So continuing in verse 8 in Philippians 2, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And just, there's many places we could turn, but in Matthew 20, verses 18 and 19, Jesus is telling his disciples, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will content, condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. You can go to the next slide there. Oh, there it is again. The purpose of God was not fulfilled at Jesus' birth, okay? The purpose of God was not fulfilled at Jesus' birth, but the incarnation is the means in which God was going to use to fulfill Jesus' ultimate purpose, that is, to die as a ransom to redeem his people. You can almost say that Jesus was born to die. And that's why I like this little, little picture. I don't know if you've ever seen that. So when Mary's holding up Jesus, it's really, you can see the cross in his future. So Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. See, I, I think that the measure of humility is how far you descend from your rightful place. The measure of humility, the measure of how humble you are, is how far you come from where you really can claim to be. Because Jesus is God, death had no claim on him. Death is the penalty of sin, and Jesus had no sin. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. But wait, there's more. He dies as a malefactor, 
right? An enemy of the saint of Rome. He submits to death on the cross, even though he could have, as the old hymn says, he could have called down 10,000 angels to rescue him. That's the length that Jesus went to, to redeem us, to redeem his people. This is the incarnation, God becoming man. And so if God became becoming man, Jesus was his way of reaching the world, we need to become Jesus to reach our world. That's the next slide, by the way. One more slide? There you go, thanks. So we need, now as our application, we need to embody this gospel of Jesus Christ. What's the, what's the gospel? Let, let me just give you a summary. See, Jesus came to live the life that we could not live, right? And he died the death that we deserve, right? For our sins. He died in our place. And then he rose again on the third day to show that what happened is true, that he actually defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated hell and the devil. That's the gospel. That the gospel begins here. And it changes everything. It flips everything upside down. You know, I, I came across a quote from a, one commentator, and I want to share part of it with you. This commentator said, because Jesus was the king who became a servant, we see a reversal of values in, the king, in his kingdom administration. In Jesus' kingdom, the poor, the sorrowful, and the persecuted are above the rich, the recognized, and the satisfied. The first shall be last. Why would this be? And I don't have a sign on this part. But he, the, this reversal is a way of imitating the pattern of Christ's salvation. And he, he quotes Philippians 2, 1-11. Though Jesus was rich, he became poor. Though he was a king, he served. Though he was the greatest, he made himself the servant of all. He triumphed over sin, not by taking up power, but by serving sacrificially. He won through losing everything. This is a complete reversal of what the world's way of thinking, which values power, recognition, wealth, sadness. The next slide. The gospel then creates a new kind of servant community with people who live out an entirely alternate way of being human. Racial and class superiority accrual of money and power at the expense of others, yearning for popularity and recognition, all these are marks of living in the world. They represent the opposite of the gospel mindset. So how do we practically 
live out the gospel, live out this upside-down world? How do we incarnate ourselves to look like Jesus? So I hope that you all got a card, okay? And I'm going to spend some time here and flip it to the back side, not the front side. I'm going to start there. I've been greatly influenced by um, a guy by the name of Alan Hirsch. He's a church planner in Australia and, um, and really a gospel influencer. And he talks a lot about how to, about Jesus' incarnation. And he gives us these six P's. So, brought to you by the letter P today. Um, how to how to be Jesus in your world. So I'm just going to go through these pretty quickly. And um, you have them all in front of you, so you don't have to really take any notes, just take note. The first P is on the back of your card, is presence. The act of identification with a people group, being present to them. See, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't hold himself at arm's length, right? but he mingled with the people. So much so that what did they accuse Jesus of, right? They said the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they sang, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus was present with people. But then he also was in proximity. And here, this is what I mean by that. Going to where they go, being in their faces, so to speak. So it's similar to presence, but this, this could go beyond identification. This is actually being where they're at. And when I think about it, I think about the woman at the well, right? All the odd places for Jesus to show up. He shows up at this woman who's a Samaritan who is on her sixth relationship, right? But Jesus is present with her. He's present. He's right there in her face. And then the third P is the word preceding. And um, so... This is, this is how to think about it. Trusting that God is already calling people to himself and through Jesus, in and through Jesus, and that we can thus join him. So here's the idea, is that when we pray for someone that doesn't yet know Jesus, the Holy Spirit is already going before us. We see this in um, Acts, when Paul was in Philippi, right? He meets this woman called Lydia, and uh, it's really interesting what, what Luke writes. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul, what was said by Paul. That's preceding, right? Um, I, another part in Acts I just love because I think about, think about it, whatever neighborhood you live in, Think about these words. Paul has a dream or a vision at night, and God says to him, don't be afraid. Go on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack to harm you. But then this is what he says. For I have 
many people in this city. I have many in this city who are my people. Think about your neighborhood. Think about your work. Just picture them in your mind right now. God is saying to you, I have many here who are my people. So now, what do we do? We pray for them, right? So through his death and resurrection, Jesus has now ascended into heaven, right? I had not mentioned that part of it. And what's he doing for us? He is interceding for us. What's he interceding for us? So when we pray for our co-workers or our family members, Jesus is telling the Father, Father, I died for them. I died for them. So think about that when you think of the word preceding. All right, flip the card over. I flip to the first side. The fourth P is powerlessness. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have power. We do in the gospel and the Holy Spirit, right? But rather, we take upon ourselves a servant form and be humble in our engagement with others. So this fourth P asks us to live out Jesus' humility and servanthood. You know, if you look at the media, how are Christians portrayed? Often as high and mighty, maybe a self-righteous prig, the old word. But Jesus was not like that, right? We need to engage others with a servant attitude, you know, putting people first. And one way to do that is the fifth P, and this is a, a word, a, Greek, a Latin word, a Greek word, pathos, okay, pathos. It means that we suffer with others, and emphatically, right, empathy, we feel and understand their pain and struggle. In the word, we are people of compassion. Jesus was really, really good at that. Often, it will say in the Gospels, and Jesus had compassion on the people. I don't know about you, but I, I struggle having, showing empathy sometimes. Sometimes I'm, I'm more quick to judge than to show empathy. But that's what Jesus does. I mentioned the woman at the well before. Jesus came to her knowing who she was, and he had compassion on her. And then the sixth and final P is proclamation. That having loved and cared for people, we seek to reach, we lovingly, boldly, verbally proclaim the gospel in ways that make sense to our culture, to the people that we're trying to reach. See, if we, need, if we live with people, we need to be ready to proclaim the gospel. It's a matter of listening with a caring heart and sharing the gospel in a bold yet compassionate way. I really like what Peter, I think Peter gives us really the answer on how to do this. In 1 Peter 3.15, you may know this one by heart. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared 
to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's great. That's great advice, Peter. So there you have it. The sixth piece. Presence, proximity, preceding, powerlessness, pathos, proclamation. Okay? So on this card, um, I've given you some ways that it might look like in your own life. Okay? Um, you know, and then feel free to think of other ways. But I, I, it, I like to have an example of what, what would this look like. So, presence. Maybe you just share a meal with a neighbor or a co-worker. Just be with them. Be present. Um, proximity. You know, go watch your child's soccer game. Okay, so I'll just tell you one story about presents. Um, very unusual little dinner party last Friday. I had my, this is recorded, right? Okay, I'll be very careful. Um, so, yeah, I gotta be very careful. All right, so I had my cello teacher and another student, okay? And this cello teacher is a woman and she's married to another woman and she's Jewish. And she is with me with another woman that doesn't yet know Christ. And we're playing cello together. We're, we had a great time. And we're playing Christmas music the whole time, so, which is awesome, right? So you have a Jewish person who's playing Christmas music, right? Oh, come on, come on, Emmanuel, and things like that. It's just awesome. But present, present with them. And then, because I've been praying for her, her name is Ruth. I've been praying for her. So I've been already proceeding. You know, develop a list of people that you want to pray for. Powerlessness. Maybe, maybe serve somebody that has a need. Um, we, had a, we had a real tragic death in our community uh, a week, two weeks ago for Saturday. And... and um, uh, a woman who just came to Lord a year ago, her sister, her son, 11-year-old, was killed in a snowmobile accident. And our church, we just, we just served them. We, we gave them money. We, they didn't have money for the funeral. We just, we just served them. Um, I got a text on Friday morning, uh, an hour before the funeral or memorial service, and. The, the one that goes to our church was really upset, you know, really. And she just needed a strawberry smoothie from Lola's. So, so I, I went, and because I, I, I'm a block from Lola's, I walked over to Lola's, got, it, got in my car, and delivered a strawberry smoothie, okay? That's not hard to do, right? But that's part of serving someone that has a need. Uh, pathos. Maybe write a note to somebody that's hurting. Man, we, we, Tim mentioned there are people here that are hurting, you know, that, that are grieving. Maybe just write a note to them. And of course, proclamation. Um, by the way, I just need to mention, you know, oh, well, never mind, and I'll cry. I, uh, I miss working. 
<laughs> um, okay. Okay, the last slide. I'm going to go to the last slide here. Yeah, okay. So, Jesus came so that we can become Jesus in our world. Like I, I was reading the uh, Advent devotional with Carol, and I came across this quote from Paul David Tripp. Um, he says, God's response to our rebellion was to give us himself. Wow. Jesus is the great redeeming, transforming gift. So, in this season of giving, you know, we celebrate the best gift that God could give us, Jesus Christ, right? So as we're thinking about that perfect gift, to our friends, our co-worker, our neighbor, family member. Maybe we should just give them ourselves this year. Be Christ in the flesh to them and show them what Jesus' incarnation really means. Let's pray. Well, Father, we, uh, we thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your word that you would share your word with us. And Father, as we think about all that you want to do through our lives, we, we want to commit ourselves to you and allow, allow you to use us in our worlds. So we pray all this for his glory and his power in Jesus' name. Amen.